Okay, all these things, you see, many of these things actually that, you know, were on uh, our bad guy here, uh, actually are necessary things. You know, we, we need education, right? We need a degree. But Satan has systematized these things and made them worldly things. So what is the difference between earthly things and worldly things? Let me illustrate here, okay? Here is man on this side with a body, soul, and spirit. And God created all the earthly things for man's existence. Okay, here are the earthly things. But through the fall, and here is the fall, that arrow. You know what happened with the body? God corrupted and became the flesh. Then the soul, through the fall, became polluted with the mind of Satan and became the self. And even our spirit got deadened. Deadened. Not only that. From outside, Satan systematized all the earthly things and made them into a cosmos. That's the Greek word for world. A system. So Satan systematized the earthly things that are necessary for our existence and made them into the world. Actually, you know, it's very interesting. In that verse, 1 Peter 3, 3, that word adorning is cosmos. Let your cosmos. It's the same root for the word cosmetic. You know, with the illustration, that was Satan's cosmetic. To beautify himself. To make himself so attractive. Okay? So, this is, this is the difference between the earthly things and the worldly things. The worldly things are just the earthly things that God provided for us and which have been systematized by Satan to trap men, to conquer men, to possess men away from God. Okay? Now, in, in the following points, A and B, we have uh, two, two characteristics of the worldly things. Number one in point A, how about all together with A? Letter B together. Very good. So, number one, the earthly things through the scheme of Satan have become the worldly things and the worldly things become preoccupying elements. Satan uses the worldly things to preoccupy man and eventually to occupy him. Now consider, what is the difference between preoccupy and occupy? If you go to the dictionary, you will find something like this. To preoccupy is to engage your attention beforehand or to engross your interest beforehand. And to occupy, actually, one of the definitions is a military definition, is to possess by conquest. That's what Satan wants to do. First, he wants to preoccupy you. 
He wants to make in your eyes something that is so small, so thick, so big, to engross it. But eventually, he wants to possess you by conquest. So, if any of the earthly things is a preoccupying element to you, then that thing is an item of the world to you. If education is something that preoccupies you, then education has become an item of the world to you. How about a car? How about marriage? God gave marriage. Even he ordained marriage. Well, it's something that preoccupies you. Then that thing becomes an item of the world to you. You know, there are some items in this world that are not a hook to me. You know, I, I, I'm, I just don't care for basketball and baseball. I mean, I, I've never been, I've, I have been in this country for uh, 15 years. I've never been in a stadium. I never watch a basketball game. I, I just, to me, I'm, that, that means nothing. But maybe for some of you, that is an item of the world. But there are some things in me that you don't care for, and those are an item of the world for me. You see? So it differs. What is the world for you? Maybe it's not the world for, for that person, and vice versa. But if it is a preoccupying element, then that item has become a worldly thing to you. That's how you identify it. Okay? Now, let us read together the verses in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Go, together. Very good. These are excellent verses. And, um, I mean, we, we just don't have time, but uh, consider eating in verse 31. Uh, I'm sure Matthew, when he was writing this, he was reflecting of the whole experience of the children of Israel. Uh, in Exodus 16, God fed them manna. Then in Exodus 17, they drank of the water that came from the rock. And then uh, through their, their whole journey in the wilderness, you know, the Bible two or three times says, you know, that God took care of you. You did not lack. Uh, you, your clothes did not wear out. And your feet did not swell. Such was the care of God. Okay, so then it gives us a, a warning. Do not go after these things. The Gentiles, the unbelievers, are anxiously seeking these things. They are going after these things. And he's saying, no, no, you shouldn't be like this. Your father knows. He knows already that you need all these things. And then he says, but do, do something. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. What is the meaning of this? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. This is very interesting. You know, God's kingdom is his domain. The sphere where he rules and reigns. And he created man so that man may represent God. But if we are going to represent God on this earth, we have to be in God's dominion, under His authority. And how about His righteousness? To be right, righteousness, it is to be right with God according to what God is. 
is to be agreeable with God. It's to be made perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. This is the, the same as bearing God's image. So what this verse is saying, seek first His dominion and seek first His image. So the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, is bringing us back to the first book of the Old Testament, Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1, God created man in his image and likeness so that man will express God. And he gave man dominion so that man will represent God. But man fell. You and I fell from this. We fell from God's image and we fell from God's dominion. But in the first book of the New Testament, Matthew is bringing us back to the beginning. He's saying, forget about these things. I know you need education. I know you need food. You need clothing. You need marriage. But all these things on the earth are for us. And we are for God's purpose. These things, brothers and sisters, must be for us. And we must be for God's purpose. We hate Satan. He has inverted all these things. He has made God for these things. Forgetting about God's purpose. I love this verse. Brings us back to the beginning. You and I need to go back. Return. I have a word this morning to you. Return. Alfred, return. Willie, return. Return to what? To God's original purpose. Seek first God's dominion and God's image. This is the people that God is seeking after today. Not a bunch of religious people, ethical, moral, good behaved. He wants a people who cares for God's dominion and God's image. This is what he desires. Many of us, the older ones among us, trust us. I was a student like you. I spent several years in graduate school. I just don't have time to tell you many stories how God did take care of me. If we take care of God's purpose, He will take care of us. If we take care of His interest, He will take care of our needs. Don't believe the liar. He's, he wants you to be to the earthly things, to the worldly things. No, we are here for God's purpose. These things are for us, and God will add them to us. So, sorry. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> My burden here. I'm not here just trying to advise you, to exhort you, don't love this, don't do this. That is not my burden. That will never work. You know, my burden is, and I'm speaking to the back row there, too. I was sitting right there in the corner last night. And I want to speak to you. I, I know how, you, how far it is from there to here. It was a good experience. I want to speak to you. My burden is that the Lord today is going to gain a people, mainly of the young generation, who on this earth they don't care for anything, but who care only for God's purpose. And I believe He's going to gain such a people out of us. The door is open. Will you come in? Will you return? Will you return to God's dominion? Will you return to God's image?
then you will have the kingdom plus all the things that you need. God is so faithful in this matter. So faithful. Okay. Now, let us go to the next point. The worldly things prostrating us from the will of God. They frustrate us. But we have to be clear. We are not on this earth for food, clothing, marriage, transportation. We are here for God. And the capacity of human life is not for these things. It's for God. My capacity is for God. How about we all declare that? My capacity is for God. So, another way to identify an item of the world in your personal experience is this. If something frustrates you from the will of God, then that thing became an item of the world to you. So you see two things. If it becomes a preoccupying element, now you know it is an item of the world. If it frustrates you from the will of God, now you know it is an item of the world to you. And here are three examples. We don't have much time to get dwell into, into them. But Luke 14, 17 to 20, it speaks about of a man who prepared a dinner and invited, you know, the people to come. So this talks about accepting God's invitation for his full salvation. This dinner is the dinner of God's full salvation. But look at what, they, what, what happened. He's telling in verse 17, come for all things are now ready. And in verse 18, the first said to him, I have bought a piece of land. So I need to go and see it. Excuse me, I cannot go. Then the other bought, in verse 19, five yoke of oxen. So I need to go and prove them. So please excuse me, I cannot go. And then the last one got married. I married a wife, so I cannot go. Have me excused. You see, all these things, Frustrating, you see, the people of God to accept God's invitation. Then the second, that's in Judges 7, 4 through 5. It frustrates us from, you can write on you know, the side of that verse, or verses, becoming God's army to defeat the enemy. What a frustration. And the story is very interesting. You see, here is Gideon, one of the judges, and God, you know, they are going to fight against Midian, the Midianites. And there are 32,000 people. And God says, mmm, too many, Gideon. You know, if I'm going to deliver the Midianites in your, in your hand. And, if, you know, with these many people, 32,000, uh, they are going to think, they may boast against me and say, our hand delivered us. So, Ask all those who are afraid and are trembling to return to their homes. So 22,000 returned. They were afraid. So now 10,000 are left. You see? And verse 4, Then Jehovah said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them to the water, and I will test them for you there. So here comes the test. Verse 5, all together, read it. 
I want you to be impressed with this. The test that came later was not a matter of, okay, Gideon, see who drinks and who doesn't drink. It was not a matter of drinking versus not drinking, but the way you drink. You see, one group, they, they knew, they, they, they were conscious, you know, we're about to engage into a big battle, so we're going to drink like this. They, you know, they scooped the water with their hands, and then they drank it, just watching. You know, we are about to fight. The others, you know, they went all the way with their whole being. They even knelt down, and they drank. So the test is how you drink. And notice, drinking is an earthly necessity. We need to drink. But how do you drink? Eventually, only 300 were qualified. So how about this? How about this water of getting a degree? Right? It's not a matter of, you know, okay, you, you're getting a degree, you're worldly. You're not getting a degree, very good. <laughs> you have a car, you're worldly. You don't have a car, very good. You just rent an apartment. Very good. You have a house. You are worldly. <laughs> you are single. Very good. You are married. Ah, too worldly. <laughs> no, no, no. That is not the test. We have a degree. I do have a degree. You see? We have clothing. We have a house. We have a car. You see? But how we drink the water. Do you do it with your whole heart? How are you getting your degree? Like this? Where's Alan? How are you getting your PhD, Alan? Where's Alan? Alan, how, how are you getting your PhD? Like this? And laughing as a dog, you know? Or you are going just like this, with your whole being, almost kind of worshiping, you know? How are you getting your degree? How are you getting married? How are you getting your car? You see? This is beautiful. Okay, now, the last thing is, you can write on the side in Haggai 1.4. It frustrates us from building God's house. Building God's house. And let us read all together Haggai 1.4. Yeah. So, um, it's clearly, you know, we cannot get into it, but frustrates us from building God's house. It occupies us with other things, with the worldly things.